You don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. We like to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform so you can be noticed, uh, notified of the newest episodes <laughs> when they're released. Don't laugh at me. Join the Facebook group. Join the conversation. Uh, that's YDSA. You don't sound autistic on Facebook. We like to welcome listeners from different countries and all over the United States. And everyone that's uh, newly joined the Facebook group, we welcome you. Uh, also check out you don't sound autistic.com for episode show notes and links to reference materials and episode posts, which I think we're a little bit behind on, but you can check out the brain hugs or the shop to find the products we use to manage our daily lives. And for our new listeners, Rochelle has a spiel. You don't sound autistic is a mental and emotional health awareness podcast. Each week we do well, <laughs> each not each, so easy, is it? No, each week that we record, we do our best to represent both neuro perspectives and talk about the continual discovery process of life on the spectrum. Our goal is to illuminate, uncover, and transparently discuss life with multi diagnosis through a multi generational neurodivergent lens. We follow an open, unscripted, conversational format that represents the real life back and forth of communication and collaboration. Even if you aren't raising the next generation, you'll find the comparison of the age groups helpful in seeing the more hidden patterns in the DNA of your lifestyle and lineage. You know, I think that's the first time I've actually paid attention while you were talking. Wow. During that little spiel. What'd you notice? It's well written. Thank you. Makes you sound smart. <laughs> I try. I, thank you. Sure. Um, well, as we were telling Declan this morning, it's not being smart that counts. It's the effort you put into the work. <clears throat> That's true. Uh, so we're going to do things a little different today. I had uh, an idea and I ran it by Rochelle and she approved it. Okay. So, um, but basically um, we're going to record for a little bit, give ourselves a little minute to gather our thoughts and then um, keep keep going. But in the uh, as an interstitial, I'm gonna add some music in the episode just to kind of because I re- recorded three new songs, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to basically we'll record, we'll play a song, we'll record, we'll play a song, we'll record, and then the final uh, part of the episode will be the third and final song. Yeah, it's just so, a cool way to release the new music. Just to yeah, just to kind of get it all out there. So people can check it out. And if you don't like the music, then you can skip it. But you should like it because it's awesome. Yeah, I put really, a lot of effort into it. It's very good. Yeah. It's very, very good. Validate me. I need validation. <laughs> Fair point. You can always comment. Um, you can go to my SoundCloud account, which is just SoundCloud, Blake Vertig, um, F-E-R-T-I-G for the last name. Uh, and for those of you that really can't spell, B-L-A-K-E for the first name. <laughs> That'd be me. Um, so what are we talking about today? Uh, well... I can't remember. Did, did I talk to you on the podcast about the lady that got pissed at me at my work? They got mad at you? Yeah, a customer. Well, I know the one about when you couldn't find the chicken. Yeah. Did, did we talk about that on the yeah, podcast? You we did. did. Yeah. Damn it. Okay. Yeah. But what you didn't tell is the story about the escalation between your <clears throat> superior and another 
like I, I guess you just call them like roving district employees. I guess so. Because I think out of that particular store, you were the only one with a level head, and it got and it escalated fast. Yeah, I mean, basically, um, I was working again. I work at a grocery store, so they hired a new young lady, and she was um, she walked she approached this woman. Um, who was resetting and resetting is where they go through like a particular part of an aisle and they pull everything off the shelves and they recalibrate basically to make sure everything is uh, priced and set up appropriately. And they do this all the time. And I had no idea, but anyway, so she's resetting and I don't, I kind of recognize her, but that doesn't, I guess that doesn't really matter. But the, uh, so the young woman that just started and then the older lady, uh, the younger woman approached the older woman who's resetting and she's like, Hey, um, is it because she was, because the woman was working like on granola, basically they're resetting like a granola area. And the and, younger woman's brand new, right? She's yeah, been she's like a week, like two weeks or something. So she wasn't sure that like the appropriate like protocol, like, you know, what do I do? Cause she had some granola that she needed to place on the shelf. And so she's like, do I, Hey, do I give this to you? Or, and then the lady's like, my name's not Hey. Hmm. And so I'm on the same aisle working and because we, we, we had like kind of a, a cart that has like a bunch of like uh, a bunch of stuff from different aisles. And normally it's all from one aisle. So we were kind of like, what do we do? Because there's a bunch of stuff that needs to go where this lady is. And I'm still pretty new myself. So I wasn't sure. I Anyway, so uh, she says, hey, my name is not hey. And then the next thing I know, the lady's like, I'm about to punch you in the face. To the to the new girl, yeah, that escalated fast. So I walk over there, and I'm like, "Whoa, let's let's you know, let's keep things professional." And she's like, "I am very professional." Blah 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 blah. And in the meantime, the other the younger girl's like getting defensive, and she's like, "I would I would love for you to punch me in the face." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh my god!" So they're both being unprofessional. But the you know you know the woman like was threatening her. So I mean, I can see I guess why I I don't know I wouldn't have gone there especially with customers you know we were open at that point it wasn't like we were before opening right you guys she's putting on a scene at this point yeah and so i'm like i'm gonna go get um the assistant manager so i go approach the assistant manager really briefly explain to her what just happened she goes over there and talks to the uh, the lady and the lady you know she's like you know let's we need to end this and again both women were the uh, the the new girl and the older lady were both kind of still being combative. Yeah, combative, and and it just I was like a little bit baffled. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like you're at work. The other woman got her boss on the phone, and so they ended up having me write down on paper, like which is weird because they didn't have me do it that day. I, like as a manager, I would have had me do it that day, so it could, when it was fresh in my mind. Sure. They had me do it like several days later and I'm like, mm, what happened again? So I had to kind of like rack my brain and try and remember exactly what happened. The, the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, like it's funny to me because as someone that is stereotypically not meant to really be able to, you know, handle social situations, as <laughs> Rochelle said, like I um, feel like I did handle it the best possible way I could. I think you did. I think you're the only one that handled it, honestly. I mean, the other two were going to were gonna knock down in some granola before anyone else got involved. If you hadn't been there to... I mean, like, the, the fireworks that exploded between those two in the 
two seconds of the exchange. I mean, it's almost like they both have hot buttons and they just bumped into each other and were ready to go off. Well, and then the, the lady made it racial. Oh, gosh. She's like, maybe you just don't like black people. This is the older lady? Yeah, the older lady. lady. She went racial with it over yeah. asking where the granola goes? Well, because she said, hey. And then what's funny is the other, the younger girl, you know, one of the other things she said too, was she goes, my name's not Hey, and she goes, I'm sorry. She's like, you know, like your back was to me. Mm-hmm. And like, but to me, I would have been like, excuse me, ma'am. Right. But I don't think that saying, hey, it should necessarily, like that lady obviously has, was ready for a fight and had like yeah. had issues like built up and, you know, she was irritated. And I was just like, she's like, I worked for the company for 10 years. And I'm like, how have you worked for anyone for 10 years if you are going to behave like this? And no, you, you're old enough to know that you're not supposed to threaten to hit someone with, you know, use violence. And so I don't know if that lady's, I mean, I, I didn't ask. I don't know if she's going to get fired, reprimanded in any way. Yeah, we'd never know. I mean, good companies keep all that private. And she's a district employee anyway. So, you know, even if nothing, even if she didn't have this event, it still could be months before you saw her again. Right. Yeah. So who knows? But it's just it's just so interesting that in that moment you've got and you've got a generational gap, right? You've got a 20 something that is really casual about relationships. And yeah, I'm learning a lot about what the young kids say these days. Oh, it's by being around her and this uh, this other dude that works there because they, you know, like what is like, oh, lit. That's lit is oh, OK. Stuff like that. And then he'll, he'll be like, oh, will you do this? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, bet. What? What does that mean? It means like, okay, cool. Bet? Like yeah. B-E-T? Yeah. That's short for? No, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i assuming, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. He said something else. Like he was, he keeps saying all these things and he's like, he'll, he'll say something in, in a fray. And then what's funny, so he'll say something and I'm like, what? And then I was like, let's be congenial. And then she's the the younger girl. She was like, I don't even know what that means. You said that during the fight? No, like uh, I'm, I'm just giving an example of a word that I might have used in sure. conversation with her. Yeah. And well, you there's know, always this generational dictionary. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, but that's congenial is not a uh, slang term. That's a word. No, it's absolutely a word. It's a word I didn't know about until Sandra Bullock made a movie, but... Um, That's sad. <laughs> it's just That's the, really sad. It's just the truth. It's just not a word that was in my, my universe, but... What does miscongenitalality <laughs> mean? <laughs> You're funny. No, there's always... Link, like, I remember when texting first came out, and, and still to this day, there's still text lingo that I don't understand. And I know there's an urban dictionary that, that tries to keep up with all this stuff, but... You know, it's just there's so much wrapped up in communication that's also about self-expression. And I think sometimes it's so difficult to piece up to peel apart the two when they people start introducing words you don't have context for, you know. And then you you if you come in with all this projected emotion on top of a communication difference without emotional regulation on your side. You know, you, you, why do you think it was that you were able to stay the calmest in that moment? Probably because I was the most uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just like, point. make it go away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. But 
I've also, because I've been in management for such a long time, um, and spent a, most of my, you know, up to this point career as a manager, I've, I've had a lot of experience managing meltdowns from customers and employees. Mm-hmm. Do you want it? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Do you want me to keep going? I don't even know what I was going to say. You have previous managers. I, I, I was waiting for you to say something at that point. You bumped my microphone, homie. But I think, I don't know. I'm just saying, so as far as, you know, having management experience, you deal with customers. So at first, when I first started working as a manager, I didn't um, have any experience, man, you know, dealing with uh, customer complaints or p- people being upset. Like, in fact, my instinct is always to pass that person on to someone else. Like for, uh, I don't know if I've, I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but maybe not. But I... um when I worked my first job at In-N-Out Burger, I was working in and uh, as you know the cashier at that particular day, and this uh, gentleman comes up and he's speaking Spanish and starts ordering, and I'm like, uh, mm, you know, I'm 16, I don't speak Spanish, and then an, a younger dude comes up who's clearly like the guy's son or his nephew or something, and he you know speaks with um an American accent and speaks to me in English and he's like, what's the problem? And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. This, this gentleman was ordering in Spanish and I don't speak Spanish. And he's like, are you not publicly educated? What? And I was like, um, Mark, which was my boss at the time. I'm like, I think this gentleman would like to speak to you. And then I just kind of stepped away. Publicly then, educated because you don't speak another language. Cause I don't speak Spanish. Okay. He was like, you should know Spanish. You live in California. That's a judgment. You can take your judgment out the door. So it was definitely one of those things where I I didn't, you know, want to have to deal with a conflict. And so, you know, of course, that's what that's what managers really get paid for is they get paid more money to deal with those types of situations. I feel I agree. It's organization and conflict resolution. But then I became a manager and was like, shit, I can't hide away from this. I'm the guy. I'm Mark now. Yeah, you are. I have to handle this 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 person who's pissed off that you know we ruined their family's Christmas or whatever it was you know in those From situations. Company? Yeah, yeah. Or any, I mean, of the two previous jobs that I had. Sure, but now I mean, and that's the thing. Like I didn't expect when you came home with this story. I wasn't done talking. No, go ahead. Now I forgot. Go ahead. No, I forgot. Great. Well, that's the end. I'm Blake. <laughs> Why'd you have to cut me off? Because you cut me off. I didn't cut you off. You you paused. I, it's this cut. is going to be really it's a conversation. compelling conversation. All right, go ahead. Keep going. I'm saying because we're interrupting each other. This is awesome. I'm not cutting this out either. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> go ahead. Say more about you. Why are you giving me daggers? All right, lit. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> you broke my death stare. Ah. <laughs> uh, I I have no possible way of knowing I'm cutting you off. I'm not cutting you off in the middle. I'm not like 
interrupting your last sentence. I don't know if I, I I never know when you're done talking and then you finally finish and I'm like, okay, it's been 12 minutes. What do I comment on? You got to leave a little bit of a window. I, on the other hand, took a little breath and then you jumped in with a monologue. I haven't said, play it back. I haven't spoken. I don't want to play it back. I want to record. This is, hey, this is our real lives, people. I have not. You're privy to the the magic of, uh, sorry, what? I wasn't done talking. Okay, I'm going to stop talking for a while. Go ahead, Rochelle. I I was just furthering your point. All right. Well, go ahead. All right, bet. Yeah, it didn't work that time. No, I tried. This is so fun. You were just saying that before, I mean, because you've been a manager in other, I think the customer situations you had in your other job were far worse and more intense because you were dealing with people's personal property and their memories of all things and oftentimes the only copy of something and here uh, when you first started this i was like how much conflict can there really be in a grocery store apparently a lot when that lady told me that i was uh that i needed to be trained better because i didn't know where the chicken was i'm like i just started and she you, was like oh but you told her that it was your second day i know and that's what's even worse is that she was just like oh can i get someone that knows what they're doing Again, all, every situation you've told me about is a behavioral issue on the person, on on a on a on the part of the person. Every single thing you've told, I mean, and I've been studying a lot of behavior, and this is all behavior issues of the individual. This is the lack of maturity, and a better way to say it: everything that has been a conflict that you've run into at this grocery store is actually unhealed childhood trauma, just projected out through an adult. Everything. Okay. It's amazing how much... I'm going to say that next time. I don't think that it's appropriate for you to utilize your... Uh, what do you call it? Unhealed childhood. Your unhealed childhood trauma and spit it back on me. This is about you. It's right. It, it Unfortunately, it is. I mean, that's a lot of what happens as in the adult world. It's a lot of projection of unhealed childhood trauma especially when there's communication issues yeah so wait go ahead oh i wasn't speaking okay just just a little mouth fart no i was just trying to clear my throat okay um but yeah so that the i don't know it's, it's weird the situation because so someone else pointed out to me when um i, w- I was working so the new the new girl the uh other guy i don't know how else to you know i don't want to use their names on the show Mm-mm. but um uh they i was so it was the three of us were working and we were talking at one point and the girl said something like weird and i was just like yeah okay or yeah all right and then the other the dude just started laughing he's like you're so awkward <laughs> i was like i don't know what else to say yeah, because they probably have a shorthand of all these little, um, if you really listen to the way people talk within their social groups, there's usually a lot of these back and forth, like little, I don't know what you call them, like little response. Nuances? No, it's like all these little catchphrases, you know, it's like the very little is actually said and uh, most of it's just these 
these little comments. He's like, oh yeah, that's that's like you just said, that's lit, like lit, bet. You know, it's all these little responses that actually mean nothing. They contribute nothing to the conversation, but it's just a way to volleyball back the conversation to the other person. So if you really study how people can, and this is part of that neurotypical, you know, social dance that becomes so stupid. I mean, I don't know the right word, but it's just, it's such a dance. This is what requires people to put on the mask is because the dance is illogical half the time. You're not saying anything valuable so there's nothing really to comment on and it's difficult to join in this little social verbal dance when you don't feel connected to the conversation because it's usually criticizing something else or you know like hey did you see that movie last oh yeah da, 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 you know and you're just all trying to find words to express an emotion but no one actually does it so they just use all these little carrier phrases and it's it's not the most authentic situation to be a part of and inauthentic situations are difficult to participate in if you don't know the dance, right? Hence the social mask that comes on. So you end up learning this dance and you walk away feeling like that was the dumbest exchange because no one actually said anything of value. We didn't come to any real conclusions. Everyone's just like, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you see it on this TV show that you're watching. That I don't like. Don't make fun of my TV show. Well, normally I end up watching a lot of your TV, but this particular set of characters I can't stand. And they say very little actual, you know, contextual things and everyone's just reacting. So, you know, that's the more difficult part. You're awkward because you don't know how to interact with the little social dance with this, with the 20 somethings. Now that you're a little bit past your 20s. Thanks. On that note, it's time for our first song. <laughs> <laughs> this track is entitled Once Upon a Time. Enjoy.
What'd you think? I really like it. Thank you. Good job. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? New topic. Okay. Well, we were starting to branch into behavior and communication. Is right. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was, I think that uh, I just wanted to do things a little different for this episode, just to mix it up. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, one of the uh, Facebook comments was actually from this morning um, about, what did she say? She said um, something about how she says that she's weird. I have to read it. I don't Facebook before coffee. Oh, but Hang she on, said catch that up. she said like I feel like I'm weird, and so she'll kind of uh, impulsively, I guess, you know, say like, "Oh, I'm weird," you know, and 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 feel like she has to kind of defend just being herself. And I totally relate to that because I'll you know I'll do things that I you know instead of just being happy with being myself and just accepting myself for myself myself <laughs> okay i'm catching up um wow i really i really enjoy when our listeners comment on facebook like there's so much about the experience that each of you are having that i i really enjoy just being able to understand more and to hear things in your words is powerful for me it's like we're because we're trying to build a community not just do the show but also to have people interact with one another and you know because people other people have stories to share as well right i agree and there's so many more perspectives out there than just ours and and we've never been ones to say ours are the only ones we're just saying here's ours and let's hear yours because there's such a um there's such a, a beautiful variety of how everything happens. I, so it's interesting. So she is saying, I'm uh, sorry to present. Why don't you just own. go ahead and read it? Okay. Um, <clears throat> she writes, I had a moment of realization yesterday. I usually describe myself as weird and often apologize for my weirdness by saying things like, sorry, I know it's weird, but I actually like spending time <coughs> at lunch alone in my car. I realized yesterday that I don't have to apologize or call myself weird. I am honoring who I am so I can fully be me. And I think what she's saying here is incredibly valid. First of all, recognizing what she's doing or what any of us do in those moments to kind of create that separation and, and you know, almost labeling of what we expect other people to think being aware of it is the first part. And the second part is allowing yourself to do it regardless. So what she's saying there is incredibly intuitive and self-aware because most of the time when we create those, you know, little, I don't even know, those little like <clears throat> moments of dispersion, right? For your own feelings of anxiety, we often do them so subconsciously that we, we're not aware of what we're doing. Um, but she said that she realized it. And I was like, that right there is the most powerful thing that we can do for any application of our of expressing ourselves to other people and to ourselves is, is being self-aware. 
And the second thing is just giving yourself permission to do it without feeling like you have to apologize. I actually don't think it's weird that she wants to spend alone time in her car. I do the same thing um, when I'm on lunch at work. We basically hide in our treatment rooms when we don't feel like being social or certain people are in the are in the clinic and we're like, yeah, no, I want none of that. We'll go in our rooms and we'll eat lunch or we'll we'll just hang out there because you need your own bubble and you don't always feel like interacting with other people and especially when you come in and other people are in a vibe that you really don't want to be near like people don't know this very often but when uh, all emotions in the body are magnetic they have this magnetic pull it's kind of part of the way the hormones in the body works but emotions are magnetic thoughts are electric so when someone is on a thinking feeling loop it's literally producing this energy in the body. Now, when I say that, a lot of people are like, oh, energy in the body. But we have no problem accepting that we have energy efficient refrigerators and washing machines. And yet we have a central nervous system that wires and fires our body and brain and all the different organs. So we should accept that when I use the word energy, it's electrical. Just like everything else is electrical in our world, so is the body. And that electrical reaction. Is that why I have gas? That's because you eat sugar and and yeast. That's right. <laughs> You're creating chemical reactions at that point. Um, but when someone comes in in a funk and a and a mood and just a you know and they've been grooving on these thoughts and and feelings and they're not necessarily positive, so they have this density and this kind of raw tension to it. It is palpable. You can feel it radiating from other people in the room and it's 100% fair to decide I don't really want to be around that energy I don't want to be around that person when they feel better I don't mind being around that person but when they feel like this I don't want to be around them and you have we we owe it to ourselves to protect our experience and to protect our bubbles and we don't have to apologize for it and I don't think it's weird that we do it and I don't think it's weird that she even says, sorry, I think it's polite, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, I do know some people that in every single situation that they interact, they're like, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. You know, but they over say sorry. Like it almost sounds like more of a verbal tick than than an actual social expression. It's more just like, I don't know how to handle the awkwardness of passing you in the hallway. So I'm going to say sorry. And. I, if that's how, if she's feeling, if it'd be different than that, and I'm saying our listener said that I have experience with someone else who does that, but it's similar. And, you know, there's two different feelings in the room. There's always your own feelings and then there's the other person. And it takes a bit of practice just to understand which feelings are your own and then allowing those feelings to be okay. And just saying, this is what I need and want, and I'm going to go with it. I bet. <laughs> just like you call me from the car, because you get to reset. Your car is your space. You get to listen to your music. It's your seat. It's your environment. No one can bug you in there. Like, you have full control. You know, you don't have to. You can relax, and you've you've minimized your engagement with other people. Like, it's a good way to get your... Like to kind of recharge your battery, you know, before you go interact with the outside world. Yeah. I mean, I do. I like to, I have a, a pretty steady routine right now. 
Mm-hmm. With uh, so because I get to work, I start at five. So I work five to seven. I take a ten minute break. Mm-hmm. Then I work, um, you know, the rest of the time till about nine o'clock, and then I take an hour lunch. And then from ten to twelve, I take uh, another ten, and then from twelve to two, I work, and then I go home. That's a good break, yeah. That's so good. just to break the day up so that it's not so monotonous. Other people will take their breaks, you know, like you don't have to take your break like that, but I, I, I prefer it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it kind of, I, I was, I was listening to uh, or watching a video and they were talking about the way Eminem works when he's recording and, uh, he does it like a nine to five. So he shows up in the studio at nine o'clock, takes a lunch at like one, he works until five and then he's like, all right, I'm out of here. And then he comes in the next day at nine and he keeps recording. Even if he's in the middle of recording something, he's just like, all right, it's five o'clock. It's time to, time to go. Mm-hmm. And so I guess a lot of other um, artists have worked with him and some of them have, it's that has rubbed off on them. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm not a uh, musician necessarily, even though like, you know, we're playing music on the show, but. Well, you're just saying you're not like where music. You are a musician, but mus- being a musician not a, is not your full time job. Right. I'm not yeah. a. I'm not a full time musician. I mean, though, I do spend a great deal of time working on music. I guess. I guess I'm. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an amateur musician. We could say that, right? Sure. I'm making the music. It's not you like are. I'm taking someone else's music and playing it on the. No. On I'm, the show. But you're also not paying for recording time to do it. Like you're doing it, and you're you're splicing it in to when you have moments and when you're you know, taking advantage of your creativity and inspiration and things. But since he is kind of paying, I mean, artists, I think there's a, this is, this is interesting. I didn't know this about Eminem, but in the workforce in general, there's been a massive shift towards work-life balance. And a new study came out last week, and this isn't new. Like, I think this has been research before i've heard it before it's just you know like waiting for the world to go oh this is a real thing but the research came out again about um the efficacy of a four-day work week and how important that time off is to productivity and how much they're proving that if you did a four-day work week you'd be more productive in the four days than you are in the five and the five-day work week was based off of farming you know way back and that no that's not wrong that's wrong it's based off of the transition from farming into the, the industrial age where we started running the factories. Right. And we don't have, well, we have all those same production schedules and we have, you know, well, a- the, added the, all the these five things. day work week was something that was fought for by like the workers unions and stuff. Because if you've ever read Upton Sinclair's book, The Jungle, which uh, was required reading when I was in school and it talks about you know, the, the health conditions and the working conditions for people working in the industrial age. Right. And then, you know, people working, you know, to the point where like, if you had to go to the bathroom, you just went there in the middle of the workday. If you were working in a factory, it was just like, well, if you have to go, just go. Right. And so, you know, people fought for the 40 hour work week and now we're fighting for, you know, a four day work week. We're going to, we have to continually seek I support the one day work week. Yeah. (laughs) 30 minutes of work and then we all get paid the same. Well, and there are people who are figuring out how to do that in different, you know, aspects and industries and things. And um, it requires a lot of momentum and buildup and that's fine. But, you know, we are, we are continuing. That's the one, one major thing that hit 
the workforce after 2020 was the realization that we don't have work-life balance. And, you know, in 2021, there was the great resignation and many, 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 many people in the tech industry said, peace out, you are taking advantage of me, like I'm not going to do this anymore. And then now we've got um, other tech companies going through and now they're laying off people, you know, 10, 10, 12,000 people. So there's just this volleyball back and forth of, you know, how we're going to handle work. And I don't think it's been resolved yet, but it, and it won't be for a while. But in the meantime, we have our own personal management skills to get us through some periods of time. We're going to spend the next couple of years in some massive change. Like we've already spent three years in a lot of starts and stops and newness and it's been a lot to get used to but it's important to understand as we go through the next three years that the amount of things that are going to shift and change and sometimes overnight is not going to stop so it's really important to be able to exercise the skill that our listener did which is to be self-aware enough to know what it is that you're doing and why and be cool with it. And if you don't like what you're doing, like if you realize what you're doing and, and you don't like why you're doing it, then know that you have full right to change it. And like, good for you. Like the whole point of everything we do is to, what matters the most is how we feel about it. That's it. What matters the most is how we feel. So it's not necessarily what we think or it's not what someone else thinks. What someone else thinks about you or what you're doing is absolutely irrelevant. The only thing that matters is how you feel about it you feel good about what you're doing and you feel good about why then then good someone else doesn't like it that's their that's their emotion to resolve not yours it's not our job to resolve it for them see because i've masked for so long i like i think back on when i was a little kid and how i just you know if i went to we went to medieval times Mm -hmm. and they had a little dance club at the um if you went to the late show Okay. And so I remember going there and just like, I used to love dancing when I was a kid. Can you imagine me mm-hmm. dancing? And, I can actually. And just like having a blast and like, you know, but as I've gotten older, I'm just like, I'm too self-conscious and, it, you know, and not just dancing, but like I would be silly and like I did more voices and stuff and, you know, not just as a kid, but even like into my teens and my early twenties and then like. I feel Long like into that, it was a big part of our dating life where your voices, I mean, I remember falling in love with you over the dance off that you won in the garage. Like, Well, that was more the booze talking. <laughs> but it was amazing. No, it was good because it showed. Did I win that dance off, by the way? I believe you did. All right. I believe you did. But, but Success. The, but the thing about dancing and even the voices, it's just... It's letting yourself express the things that you feel in the moment that you feel it. And if it came out, I mean, one of the the funnest things is when you would use the different voices and the different voices would often reflect your mood in that moment. And so it was a nice tie in and, you know, it was it was levity. It was spontaneous. It was fun. It was, you know, entertaining to listen to you. You're, it was a fun way to interact with you. And it was you being you like you authentic you. I'm being inauthentic now. I'm not saying you're being inauthentic, but you know, as you've talked many times, you're still trying to kind of 
regain that part of your personality that's been through hell with the diagnosis and the medication management, right? And I'm just exhausted. You and you know what, honestly, you might be exhausted for a while while your body recovers because you went through 10 years of extreme imbalance and our bodies are designed to seek homeostasis, which is balance. And so you're sleeping, you know, a lot more right now, but there there that's healing considering how many years you went without sleep. So your experience needs to be about healing and balance be, so that you have the capacity to handle moments of stress. I think what you're doing is perfectly fine. Cool. I'm going to keep doing it then. Yeah. And the more you sleep, the more little bits and pieces of your personality come back. All right. Woo. Yay me. So when you and Declan are ready for that dance off, I'll just, uh, I'll just record it. I was drinking. Oh, I, that, that I, I don't know if any amount of, uh, encouragement or confidence would, would lead me to want to dance. Okay, well then we won't do a dance off because we're all better off without the alcohol. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so self awareness and self expression. Yes. Giving yourself the space to be where you want to be when you want to be there, and not having to make an excuse for it or say you're weird. Because I don't. I actually don't think you're weird. I I actually think it's smart. I think you're more intuitive for doing it. I think you're very self aware. Hi, I'm very self-aware. I'm going to go sit in my car. <laughs> That's what I, you know, my sister and I don't say that to each other, but we'll just say, yeah, today's a room day. Let's go hang out in the room. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I, it is a, it is a, you know, just going back to that point as far as like, you know, separating yourself, it's a good way to, you know, reset and recharge, like you said. Um, because to me, like, Anytime I'm I'm around people, I feel like I have to, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to center myself. I got to, you know, I'm going into a performance mode and that's, that's the part. It's like performing like a quote unquote normal person instead of just being myself. I watched this TikTok last night and I, I get in trouble for being myself. By who? Well, just because if I, even with you, like if I say, like if I say, you know, make inappropriate comments you're you give me a look and i'm like well that's me being myself i feel like i should be able to be myself at home more than anywhere but i'm not telling you not to be yourself no but if i'm like joking around about something you're like that i don't find it funny i'm like well but i do (laughs) okay but there's context here because what i'm getting irritated about is the quantity of the same thing that gets said over and over again where i'm searching for a deeper emotional connection with you and i feel like i'm getting all this can you tell me this with your top off? No. See, that's the kind of thing that <laughs> I get in trouble for saying, and I'm just being myself. I like topless ladies. What do you? What do you? <laughs> no. What do you want? No, I want. I want to feel like. How I'm... about a pants off dance off? <laughs> no. See. You're funny though. I need you to be a yes man. <laughs> say yes to my dreams, Rochelle. No, say yes to the dishes more often. No. <laughs> <laughs> See? We're at an impasse. No, thank you. I would like a deeper emotional connection in order to create that levity that would maybe lead to more of the 
spontaneous witty things that you're saying in this like but i'm not the person that's just gonna walk around with my top off and you know that i've never been that person i'm never gonna no, be that you person do, but it's just when you do it it's you're in mom mode yeah i don't know like sexy time mode no i'm i'm no right oh so, so this is totally random but it, it's in keeping with the toplessness um, one of the, the guy that I work with, you know, he's, he's a cool guy. He's younger. He's like 13 years younger than me, which I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe someone can even be 13 years younger than me. <laughs> um, but we were talking about something that he was saying, he says like the most random stuff and he asked me all these random questions. Um, and I had said to him that, uh, Oh, I was telling him about the podcast mm-hmm. and he goes, what's your podcast about? And I was like, Oh, it's about neurodiversity. Uh, we talk about autism. We talk about, you know, anxiety, depression. We talk about ADHD and, you know, blah, blah, blah. He goes, who do you know that's autistic? And I was like, my son. I was like, me? He yeah. Goes, oh, interesting. Interesting. Like, he didn't have a response. <laughs> and See, that's one of those social things I was talking about. Like, they just have to have these on cue, these these little acceptable responses that aren't really a response. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Did anything ever come out of that? Nope. He never said anything else. Except for the, you know, the fact that like he was there when I, the, the, the younger girl had said something. Yeah. And I I was just like, all right. And he goes, he's like, oh, that's so awkward. And in my head, I'm just like, I told you I was autistic. I was like, we're an awkward bunch. Right. But, um, where's, I wanted to. The other thing, just, just, um, since I'm talking about those people from work. Yeah. So the younger woman, I guess I shouldn't say girl because she's an adult. Uh, she was saying, uh, like, I had, I feel like I just met her. And then she was like, oh, my God, I took the biggest shit. Oh, so, okay. That's personal. And I was like, oh, okay. And then she's like, I was like, and I, so, like, to try and break, I was like, well, I guess we've gone there. <laughs> and I was like, did you take a picture of it? <laughs> and she goes, I did. And I sent it to my boyfriend. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh, wow. And I'm like, I would have thought is, you were saying is, a funny joke. And she's literally did it. Is is that? Well, I don't like I was like, is she being sarcastic? But then the other dude came over and she she was like, uh, oh, I was just telling uh, Blake I took a big shit. And he was like, what? And she's like, you want to see a picture of it? Oh, God. He was like, I'm good. (laughs) Okay, so there's no fear of being like she's okay. Let me go back to something you said just a minute ago, because you said that you get in trouble for being yourself like you get punished. And I want to be clear about the word. You don't you're not getting in trouble. You're just maybe not getting the response that you want. It's not the same thing as getting in trouble. We have to clarify this. I want more, I want a better response from you. Okay, that's a fair statement. And everyone. Okay, but that's not necessarily punishment. Like I think the word punishment has, is being used a lot and there are definitely cases where we are punished for being ourselves. I, and I've been through this recently in the last couple of months at work, punished for being myself. And it's a very real feeling, But but we're also starting to apply when we're not accepted or our what we're offering isn't accepted as like that feeling is not quite the same as punishment it's just not being accepted it's not being like okay because of who you are you're bad and so i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to punish you for being yourself they're not the same concept okay 
right? Sure. I Not see every- where you're going. So that's important. But someone posted in the Facebook group. Just now? No, a couple of days ago. And I just, sh- I, she posted it and she said, hey, this hit hard. And I've read it and I've read it and I've read it. And I was like, yeah, I totally, and I'm not autistic, right? But I have some, I have some learning disabilities and, and I can, I can have, I'm, I have, <clears throat> I am not diagnosable by any means, but I have some ADHD traits. Oh, you're diagnosable for sure. <laughs> for what? I have not, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Fair point. But my, my, my professional medical opinion is there something? Is there something wrong with you? Yeah, and I, and I have prolonged panic and what? No more. Okay, good job, honey. Put it down. Oh God. We're being interrupted by a little person. Thank you. But I want to read what she. I want to read what this post was because she. Um, someone created this meme and she shared it and I loved it. And it fits us. And so it's a. The person says, "But you don't look autistic." me i learned against my own will how to hide my entire being at a young age as a result of chronic repetitive child abuse emotional neglect bullying ostracism and social isolation simply because i'm autistic that lasted for over a decade causing me to involuntarily mask on a daily basis and become a bitter confused disassociating mess of a human shell who for a long time believed that there was something horribly wrong with me as an existing human being and couldn't comprehend that I was just different and that there was actually nothing wrong with me and I never came to terms with it until early adulthood. And that is why, my friend, I don't look autistic to you. Yeah, that's really good. I love this. I love it. And I don't even care that it's all one sentence. That's absolutely... um, how it feels. I agreed. Like that's, that is so well written. Um, so I thought that that might take us into our next song. That sounds good. All right. The next song is called, oh shit. No, cause we're recording this and I don't, I don't actually have the songs out. Um, what is the next song called? I already played once upon a time. Mm-hmm. So the next one is called unchained. So here's unchained.
I am such a great musician. I'm really liking the way the contrast of the, 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 I don't even know, like the bass melody, like you're kind of building up that emotion. It just feels so visceral to follow along the music with the, with the way that the bass is building and then that melodic kind of higher tones. I just, I feel so connected to your music, uh, listening to these last couple of tracks. I'm, I'm really, I really like these. Thank you. Um, and if you like them, comment on uh, Facebook or you can uh, follow me on SoundCloud. Again, it's Blake Furtick, B-L-A-K-E-F-E-R-T-I-G. Just search it on SoundCloud and you'll be able to find my tunes. Yeah, good job. Some are good, some are not. But I feel like these three are pretty solid. I, I actually like all of them. Um, I, I don't think that any of them are not good. So it's not like some are not. I think that your music, what I love about your music um, is that it fits the mood right and i'm a i'm a undeniably moody person i was gonna say you're moody but i I wasn't sure if i should but i no i own it i'm i own it that's i'm self-aware enough to know that i'm a moody bitch like i can be i can i can the same person can give me one remark one day and i can take it as a compliment two days later i'm like ready to fight over it i was like it's kind of funny because there's times when you're like oh i'm starting my period and i'm like i knew it (laughs) (laughs) have you been starting your period for the last 12 years (laughs) you know what it's hard being a woman (laughs) i'm sure it is yeah Um, so do you want to go back to, so you read that, uh, the commentary from that meme? Yeah. About like, this is the reason why I don't look autistic. And I was watching a TikTok last night and this woman did a very, very brilliant job of expressing this situation. And I really felt for her and I was sad. She turned the comments off. I understood why, because I think she anticipated a lot of pushback, but I just wanted to reach out and, and hug her basically. But she tells the story. And she's in a relationship with a, she describes him as a mostly neurotypical man. And she said, oh my God, I I just realized I took the mask off. And basically she's describes, you know, she lives in, she lives in her mask and has this relationship with her live-in boyfriend and their dog trainer came over to the house and dog training is one of her special interests. And so she and the dog trainer had this 90 minute exchange on dog training methodologies and behavior strategies and you know ap- direct application to the to their to her dog and she was like oh it was inspired we were going back and forth we were just like you know topic hopping and and I felt you know validated and it was my special interest so I was excited and it was just like it was amazing and then when the dog trainer left she said my boyfriend turned to me and he was like whoa I've never seen you like that you didn't even let her like finish a sentence like he was critical and in that moment she goes oh my god I took my mask off and I stopped being so hyper aware of all of my expressions and I stopped like paying attention to the other person's expressions and did I did I annoy her did I interrupt her did I cut her off did I piss her off like I don't I don't know how she felt I don't remember my own behavior because I took my mask off and she was genuinely crying and I felt really bad for her but from my perspective what I saw and I see this happen a lot it was like 
Did she take her mask off? Yes. She took her mask off because in that moment she was authentically being herself. Right. And she was in, in the moment you can have conversations where you ping pong off of each other with such velocity and speed that you don't necessarily need to finish the sentence because you're just so engaged in, you know, getting knee deep in a conversation and the other person may or may not have responded with irritation or they might have just been there in the moment with you. But I think what was most compelling was the fact that because she was in the moment, she couldn't be in the moment and be over analytical about the moment at the same time. Right. It's, it's uh, I, I know that like if someone gets me going on movies. Right. All of a sudden I start to, you know, especially if there's a good back and forth going. Right. Um, then I can just go all day and like because it's my special interest and um, and because I have, you know, ADHD on top of that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like and like start saying all these different facts. I'm like, oh, did you know this? And this person directed this, and then this person wrote this, and you know, like I'll I'll just go down like this chain of information that I know and just start like regurgitating and having the best time and not even thinking about the other person probably sitting there like horrified. But we don't know that. I mean, that's the thing is. There's no way to know that the other person is really horrified. The other person might be feeling like, oh, thank God, someone that has a special interest like me and is just as caught up in the moment and having a good time. And it's really the observers of that conversation that are like uncomfortable because they can't participate in the conversation. And then their anxiety or discomfort gets projected onto like somehow you are supposed to include them and you're not. You're not supposed to and you're not supposed to do anything other than be honor how you feel and be in the moment. And if you're in that moment with that person, then be in the moment with that person, represent yourself, ex- experience your side of the conversation. The onus is on each one of us individually to stand up for ourselves and our communication needs. If I'm feeling overwhelmed when you go down Blakebuster Avenue and I can't keep up with the director game and no, I don't know that he directed those 12 movies. It's up to me to tell you, Hey, I don't know how to continue this conversation with you. Like you're beyond me. I'm happy to listen and learn, but I can't reciprocate. If I just sit there and allow myself to suffer, then that's on me. That's not on you, you know, and, and I'm not punishing you for being you. I just don't know how to reciprocate. And so I can't give you the approval or the, you know, the validation you're looking for, but it's not because you were you and that's bad it's just because I don't have the knowledge to come back with the other half of the conversation you just literally expressed the way that I feel sometimes when you say something that I you know because I live being autistic and having ADHD Mm -hmm. and you study it right so there's times when you talk about something and I'm just like yeah it sounds it sounds right (laughs) (laughs) You literally just expressed how I feel and sometimes you're looking to me for validation is the same way that I would be explaining a movie to you and you have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, and I, but I honor that and I I recognize (laughs) that in that moment there's no punishment for either one of us, for whichever one of us are on that side. It's just, there's not always a response. There's not always a clicky, cliche socially you know acceptable little oh less lit you know what I mean like that's not what I'm looking if you would turn to me and be like lit I would have been so mad because that's not the response I'm looking for and I would rather you 
sit there and say, I have no response for you than to give me some half-assed, you know, socially stereotypical, like, interesting response. Because that is what I do. I usually just say like, "Mm, yeah. No, normally you go, yep, you've said all the words, Rochelle. You've said them all. That's true. (laughs) So that I just know that one, you did a good job of letting me vent. You don't have a response. I've I've dumped too much at one point, and it was my experience and not yours. So while speaking it out loud to you helped me process it, you're barely aware of what I've said because I've said too much all at once. And so it's unfair of me to ask you to validate me in those moments because I didn't deliver the information conversationally <laughs> in a way right. that you could. It's a monologue. It was, I was... I was pissed. I, I'm I'm in the middle of a thing continually, it seems like, for the last several weeks with one of Declan's therapists. And every time I think that we are on the same page and that we're working towards a unified goal, then then this therapist tries to assert power over me and tell me how I'm supposed to raise. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm the only parent in the room, jackass. So and I I say that because that's my emotion. I don't actually think he is one, but I don't appreciate when a therapist tells me how to parent my child and then expects me to do it it's like it's my job to decide what advice any of his therapists and doctors give me that I'm going to take I'm not going to take your advice on something any more than I'm going to give Declan antibiotics for a viral ear infection like that's just wrong and it's my choice and it's my responsibility so those types of personal accountabilities are important but I don't feel like you're punishing me for being mad just because you didn't have anything to say when I was upset and telling you about these series of conversations, you know? So the distinctions are important to know that, okay, I didn't get validated in that moment or they couldn't respond to me or I, I don't, I didn't feel like my contribution socially was accepted, but then you have to break down why something wasn't accepted is it was it not accepted because you were being rejected which is what we know in neurodivergence we have a tendency to immediately assume we're being rejected right i mean i don't know if it's not conscious it's not conscious no it's not and but the lack of approval is not necessarily rejection but over time they can start to feel like the same thing the lack of validation can feel like rejection although it's not the same thing the lack of reciprocation can start to feel like rejection although it's not the same thing so over time that line gets really blurry unless we start clarifying it and being like let's let's actually draw lines between these things and say start recognizing when someone doesn't have the ability to reciprocate as a reciprocation issue or maybe they don't have the word recall in the moment to come back and provide that feedback or maybe they need more time to think about things before they know how to come back. Like there's a lot of different things that it could be before you jump straight to I've been rejected. Right. Yeah. So I have a cramp in my leg. Oh, that's a good story. (laughs) Let's hear more about that. Like, Oh gosh. Oh no. But these are just the kinds of distinctions I've been working on because I'm at a point in Declan's emotional development where it's 
become important for me to learn how to teach him to differentiate between these exact moments. Now he's four and, and on all accounts I've had conversations they're like, am I really trying to teach a four-year-old this? But yes, brain development, neurological, timeline-wise, this is exactly the age. Because this is the age he's naturally starting to feel rejected when he's not getting validation. And he's starting to feel social anxiety and he's starting to feel emotions like embarrassment. So this is the moment when we start teaching things like, hey, honey, those are your emotions. Like, can you tell the difference between what you're feeling and what the other person's feeling? And he can. He's highly empathic, just like I mean, that hyper empathy that we've talked about before. He can feel other people's feelings. He doesn't know they're anyone else's feelings. He, so he thinks they're all his. So he's immediately overwhelmed, hence meltdown. Right. Can you imagine if when we were four, we started learning these things instead of in Would our 40s? Would have been helpful. <laughs> yeah. We're trying I'm to- not 40. When I sneeze next, you'll be 40. Yeah. I'm not 40. I just turned 39. <laughs> okay. Fair point. I'm a baby. I'm a young man. That's true. With a hairy chest. <laughs> and a love for topless women. Okay. That's fair. So anyways, that's just, I, I'm experiencing the need to teach this at a very, very young age. I just had no idea that we should have been learned. I say should, it's a judgment. We, the society wasn't in a place to know this kind of thing when we were being, any of us were being raised, none of us. None of our listeners here would have been in an environment at this point that was conscious enough to understand the need for emotional education You know, when we were little. They just, they didn't understand it. They're too much fight or flight, too much social oppression still to this day like we're recovering from it we we're probably the first group that's going to start really recovering from it and rewriting it and teaching the next generation <coughs> and that's why our ability to come together as a community is so important is because then we're not doing it alone and it's a massive shift we're taking to develop the self-awareness skills a massive shit shift oh okay sorry i misheard you <laughs> i it's so inappropriate of her to bring that like that's so personal i yeah i'm really and glad she's a little person maybe that's why she was she's, so she's proud like, of herself uh, yeah she was like i think she even said it was bigger than me i mean we've seen that with declan it's like how did that come out of yeah but he's four that little body and and never prouder like the other day he Again, he pooped and he was just like, mom's going to want to see this. <laughs> oh, he, don't flush it. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, and, and he the, did it more than, he's done it on more than one occasion now where he will get like choked up and he does like the little blubbery lips and he's like, don't flush my poop. Mom wants to see this. <laughs> mom will be happy. Mom will be mom happy. Will be happy. Yeah. Well, teaching a time. Like, I'm like, she's going to be so pleased. <laughs> yeah. That it's not in his pants and son number one made a number two. <laughs> that was cute but it's a good i mean toileting is a huge accomplishment and if you go back and study the behavior of toileting and or i'm sorry the behavior of shame right um You're talking about like freudian yeah stuff like the, the the anal stage i'm i don't know about the i don't know about that what but was I, the oral stage the anal stage that's why they say that like kids are like fascinated with poop oh i don't know but i was studying shame um specifically as the behavior of shame and the development of shame and how shame eventually becomes, um, it can either be the vehicle that creates bullies or victims. Um, 
and not saying that's universal at all. I'm just saying what they were what they were saying about shame. How, but shame originally comes from toileting issues. Like that's the first place in our childhood where we're shamed for developmental things and learning how to use the toilet you know oh you had an accident like it comes with this big right and we don't really i don't think i mean i feel like we've done a pretty good job at not trying to make him feel bad when he you know is learning this new skill absolutely we haven't i mean i'm sure that he might feel a certain way about it but that doesn't necessarily mean that we've been like you are bad you know which is what i'm sure a lot of people probably still do and and a lot of people have people do it with their pets all the time like when their pets mess in the house animals are different i'm talking not always there's sometimes there's medical reasons why things happen and they and they're they're in pain and they can't communicate you're talking about nonverbal. you know like you can't always communicate why an accident quote unquote happens but the belief is that it's on that it's on purpose like you did it on purpose or or when in the case of a child, you're like, ah, you had an accident. It's like, we have to take the stigma of all that off and disassociate. Like we have to pull the shame out of some of these things that are learning and or medical things. For certain people, do you think that we're smarter now than our parents were? And like a little bit more aware is, is that maybe because like for us, for instance, because we're older and had kids when we were, well, my dad was like 35 when when he had my brother. So I don't know if that's true, but you know, like I'm just saying, I like, definitely think we're wiser. The way that like my, so for instance, you're talking about animals. Yeah. And so my, and this is going to sound really bad and uh, no animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. But, uh, my dad, you know, is the type of dude that would like, that's back when people like hit animals and stuff like that. Ugh, I have no tolerance. And so my, my, my dog, my, sorry. Um, my dad's dog peed on the Christmas tree and all the presents. Mm-hmm. And my dad kicked the dog in the nut so hard that the dog's ass flipped over its head. No. And I remember like I wasn't around for that because I was I don't think I was even born yet. This was like when my brother was a kid. Uh-uh. Um, but it's like that type of and then just ways that my dad interacted with me and my brother and like my brother talks about like parenting and stuff. And he's like, you know, I was just a, fr- you know, for him, he was like afraid that if he had a kid that, you know, he didn't know how, like, how bad am I going to fuck my kid up because of the way I was raised. And I'm, I see parts of myself that are like my dad, like when I get like, you know, really angry or whatever. Yeah. But I feel like, especially with the medication that I have a lot more control, mm-hmm. um, than I, than I did when I was younger. But so like when Declan does something, you know, like there've been times when I've raised my voice and then I feel really bad Mm -hmm. because it just, you know, the thing I found is like, it doesn't solve anything. No. And all you're going to do is create more resistance on his end. And he can't be like really like I've just, my point is that when Declan pees on the Christmas tree, I'm not going to kick him in the nuts. No, absolutely not. And I don't think we would do that going forward because I don't think, first of all, we weren't aware of, you know, generations of childhood emotional neglect. We weren't aware of all the nuanced ways that abuse actually is portrayed. Um, emotional and mental abuse being two of the ones that have been um, much more studied and and talked about now. So it's it's easier to see them, you know, like when someone's constantly dismissing you or belittling you or trying to tell you you can't do something when you know that you can or trying to convince you of your limitations. I mean, like that's that's not 
healthy. And we don't, we didn't have those parameters for what healthy looked like. Healthy in the past looked like perfect. So we had all these households that were running around trying to look perfect on the outside, like don't hide your tears, you know, don't put, don't air your dirty laundry, don't tell anyone. Don't hide your tears. You mean hide your tears. Sorry, hide your tears. Yeah. Hide your tears, hide your dirty laundry, you know, like nothing bad ever happens. Everything's perfect. And it created generations of just denial and, and, um, lack of validation. And so when you go back to the generations that did that for a variety of reasons, you know, then we have this entire culture of emotional experiences that we can't talk about. And if the formula for happy life is emotional by nature, what if the only thing that really, really matters is how we feel and we've spent centuries not being able to feel our feelings and express our feelings, we have a long way to go to heal what we've fired and wired in the brains, you know, of uh, across the globe. And so, yes, I think we're wiser. One, we have better research. Two, we have better awareness. Three, we have better communication skills. Four, we have a better sense of what happiness looks like. And we're fighting back for things like validation, individuality, and work-life balance so that we don't have to constantly be performing. I like the way you said that. Um, can, I inter- can I interject for a second? Please. Because I'm trying to say something that you said like five minutes ago now. Please go. Um, do you think that, so one of my fears was always that, you know, if when raising a child that if you caught, like if you coddle them and or, or if you're too, maybe, I don't know, this might sound counterintuitive, but if you're too understanding and you're too like at their level and trying to be understanding that that would almost be a hindrance to them and that they'd be like pusillanimous. I don't know that word. Um, it's basically like being afraid and timid. So what do you mean by being on their level? So like, because the way, anyway, the way that I grew up was, you know, it was very much like if you're not bleeding, then you're not hurt. Oh, my grandmother was that way. Like, you're not actually in pain unless it's at a 10. That's not healthy. No, I'm saying so, like, the way that we work with Declan is, like, there's a lot of understanding. Like, you know, obviously, like, there are, I wouldn't, they're not really arguments because he's four, but they're more, like, you know, emotional disturbances that we're trying to react to. And the best way to react to that is not to, at least it feels like it shouldn't be, um, meeting them at that level and when i say meet them at their level i mean like you know when you see someone like kneel down and you just try to like meet the kid eye to eye and you're like okay now what's going on like talk to me and you know i always kind of like laughed at parents that did that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. then i'm like your kid's gonna end up being a wuss no but as i'm working with you to raise declan like i feel like I got the cr- the shit end of the stick when it came to, you know, how I was like, I'm not saying I was raised like so terribly, but, um, as far as, um, nobody, nobody was really like having adult conversations with me, like talking to me like I was another, just another person. Right. Uh, and I think that I'm still like afraid of stuff and I'm, you know what I mean? It's not like I'm some hard ass necessarily. Um, confrontation like you're not confrontational me, I'm just saying like my like my my dad was a hard ass my mom's kind of you know like they're t- they're tough p- cookies yeah like people like don't fuck with me kind of people yeah 
Right. And I'm, I, I have a limit and my, my limit is like much, my tolerance level is much higher than theirs would be. Right. When like if someone was, you know, to approach me at work or whatever, you know, like what happened with that girl. Right. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, someone's like, I'm going to punch you. I'd be like, you're going to punch me like we're at work. You know, that's unprofessional. Yeah, you have a you have As a opposed longer to my fuse. dad where my dad would be like, you're going to punch me? Bow! Yeah. You have a much longer fuse. But I think you're talking about two different things. So, Am I? Which is fine because they coincide. So you do have a longer fuse, right? You don't, you don't get upset as quickly. Like you give yourself longer to read the situation, especially when there's emotional dysregulation. Um, you give yourself a chance to look at it and decide how to react before you just instantly react, right? So you have taken time to de-escalate a fight or flight nervous system, which your parents didn't. I'm saying I apply that same thought process, though, to to working with Declan when he's upset. You, and you should, because the thing about it is when you when you live in chronic fight or flight and you let your amygdala decide what the threat is, you're not in control. Your lizard brain is in control. The least smart the dumbest part of your brain, the dumbest part of all of our brains are in control of a threatful situation. And we're not even assessing threat. We're just feeling threatened and reacting, making the situation worse, destroying any chance of resolution that doesn't end in a fist fight. That's not productive. That's not healthy. And at zero point in time during that type of reaction, do you even have a freaking idea what you're reacting to what are you really feeling? You don't know what your triggers are. You have zero chance of self-analytics and self-resolution because you just got all mad, went red, and now you're blaming the other person. So it's a blame-first personality type that gets zero resolution, and at no point in time do you take responsibility for your own emotional validation. And we continue to see that in your mom when she needs emotional validation. She calls and requires it of someone else instead of giving it to herself because because of that habit, she's hijacked herself from ever developing that skill. And she's not alone. I'm not picking on her. It's generational. Like we all have that parent to some degree or more or greater. Um, and that's just, that's, that's prevalent. Now we don't treat Declan that way because we understand that if we don't ask him what he's feeling in the moment, if we don't train his brain to ask himself the question in the height of his dysregulation, we know that his brain will never be fired and wired enough to ask himself. And we only have 20 years of 24-7 you know, parenting with him before we send him out into the world. And we need to know that his brain can be consistent asking him, what am I feeling right now? What's happening right now? What's triggering me right now? Is this my feeling? Is this their feeling? Like what the hell is happening before you go reacting to it all? That's a learned skill. You have to teach the brain to do that. And I think that's what makes us wiser parents. It's just part of the, we have the benefit of, living in the times where we are aware of this we weren't aware of it before so no criticism well and i mean but not everyone is self-aware enough i think to think about those things when they're in the middle of absolutely not a situation with their kid it or with you know another person in general 
Agreed. And that's why it's so important to, t- to talk about and to acknowledge when we're not in those threatful moments so that when we are in the threatful moments, we have that skill to refer back to. This is one of the things I'm getting into these discussions with Declan's therapist about is because Declan was put in a very dysregulating situation for a prolonged amount of time, like almost a month. And his behavior kept getting worse and worse. And the therapist tried to tell me that his behavior was because of all of these assumptive reasons. And I pushed back 100%. And I was like, absolutely not. His behavior is because his body, his neurological system is in actual fight or flight. And I knew it because he stopped eating lunch. Like he, every day he'd eat less and less of his lunch. His digestion was slower and slower. And I keep track of that. And that's whatever. So I knew he wasn't eliminating things uh, as quickly. I knew his sleep was disruptive. And we know from our studies that if your sleep is off and your digestion is off, your neurological system is in chronic fight or flight. And so part of the behavior that we were seeing was not a behavioral issue. It was neurological behavior because his system was crying out for regulation, which they were not giving. So we just have better data. We have better research and we're going to continue to have more and more. And the more conversations like this we have where we bring that stuff up and go, no, let's Take a look at the environment and let's change the environment and let's help him dis- downregulate his central nervous system so he can get back into the rest and digest where he's not a barrier to learning. But he has to feel safe in order to do that. And we didn't even have concepts of feeling safe. You know, we have the we had the GI generation that fought the wars and then everyone that came home from the wars and everything that, that happened after that in the industrial age. I mean, we've been through hell. Uh, over the last hundred years, we're climbing out of it. So learning emotional regulation, it's definitely a newer topic, but it's an important one. Yeah. You're nodding your head. I am. I've said too much. You've said too much. <laughs> I know. I, I'm. You never leave me a window to get. Sorry. Let me go back so that I can give you a ramp. So, um, do you recognize in other, since we've talked so much about neurological behavior, like that fight or flight reaction, you mentioned it, like it, it seems to me now as you're reflecting on your dad that you can kind of see that his reactions were more driven by fight or flight than anything else. I mean, I I guess so. It was just. I mean, getting angry and kicking the dog, that's. Yeah. There's no amount of rational, like he's not rationally thinking. His amygdala that was that, the, that was his rational thinking, though. Is that he the was alcohol? A, he was a, I, have, I don't know. It wasn't there. He, he was a violent dude. Yeah, well. Well, and you know, the amygdala tends to um, and dysregulate. Like he would brag about fighting with people. But cr- living in chronic fight or flight has a tendency. Chronic fight or flight, remember, is going to be on the anger side of things. You're either going to be angry as hell and fighting all the time, or you're going to go freeze. And freeze looks more like depression. Well, part of it's the you know his childhood, the way he grew up was you know he grew up in New Jersey in the forties. You're proving my point. <clears throat> Whereas, like my grandfather would handle these kinds of conflict by recoiling, and and he he became instead of being angry, he was he became narcoleptic. He just was so shut down that he couldn't even stay awake as soon as he sat down. Okay. It's the other side of the it's the other side of the coin. It's the freeze side, you know, when you just shut yourself down so much, 
that you end up just not even being able to stay awake. You put me to sleep right now. Mm. Sorry. No, these are good. Um, these are good conversations. I think. I think one of the bigger points of emotional regulation comes from asking two questions. Is this emotion mine or theirs? What triggered me? Like when it is your emotion, what just triggered me? And in the heat of the moment, it can take some practice. Like I know that when I was in this latest conversation with his therapist, I was very triggered by the condescending and subtle way that the therapist is trying to exert power over me and like and I I was very triggered I was like no 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 no. (laughs) I'm the parent in this situation you're I've hired you to help us you're not parenting my son I'm that's my job but I was typically when I get that triggered I don't have the wherewithal to notice that I've been triggered I either just shut down or I mouth off I thought you were going to ask me a question. So I am. So (laughs) my question is, when do you notice when you've been triggered? Like when you're in that moment, do you notice that you've been triggered? And then do you give yourself the chance to decide how to respond? It depends from moment to moment. There's certain times when I feel like I have a little bit more... uh, What's I was just oh my was I like right on the tip like of my control tongue? Or? I have a little bit more emotional currency. Oh, I like that word. To to be able to um, reflect in a moment and give myself a second to think. Okay. Uh, and then other times I'm broke. Okay. And, I like that. And and I'm completely spent mm-hmm. and no pun intended, and have uh, no ability to stop and just you know will react. Okay, so I really like the visual you just created, um, and that goes back to capacity, so the importance of sleep. Do you know that one of the biggest things we do when we sleep is we take the emotional input from the day, along with the learning, right, but more importantly, the emotional input from the day, and we sort it, and we organize it, and we categorize it into the different parts of the brain, and then we wake up, and we have better access to it in the morning. It's almost like that's why they go, oh, go sleep on it. You don't know what to do about that thing. You got a couple options you're weighing on, go sleep on it because it allows your brain the literal data processing time to sort through the emotions. My butt cheeks are falling asleep right now. Oh, good. Um. (laughs) That's why I keep moving around so much. I'm like, oh, my ass is falling asleep. Maybe you should be on the treadmill instead of me. Maybe. Um, But so it, it can go back to the capacity to take a pause. That's a good way to put it. Emotional currency versus emotional bankruptcy or emotional depletion. Um, yeah, that's important. I'm just reflecting on that image as, as we're talking. Um, I think it's about time to wrap this up. Yeah, what's your next? Or do you have a pop minute? or a f- No, because I've, I've been... I, so I get home from work and then like I'm already tired at two. You are, yeah. Yeah, and so... I come home, I kind of zone out, and then I end up falling asleep a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and then taking a like nap for like three hours, and then I'll wake up and I'm like, okay, and then I go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
No, it's fine. I mean, I, I, I'm okay without the pop and the news for a while. Um, I no, I mean, I, I want to... It's been I, cool to see the music instead. I definitely want to do those. I just haven't been keeping up, so I don't want to half-ass it. I feel yeah. like I tried to do that um, in one of the other episodes and just felt kind of forced. So when yeah. I'm ready to do it, I'll do it again. Um, and yeah, this uh, last song is called The Stalker. Ooh. So we'll start that here in a second. Um, do you have any last words? No? Okay, good. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm I I'm just ruminating on the visual of the emotional currency versus So you don't know what pusillanimous means, but you know the word ruminating. <laughs> I'm an enigma. What a bunch of sesquipedalian users we are. <laughs> I'm never playing Scrabble with you again. <laughs> What a verisimilitudinous situation this is. <laughs> now, that actually was uh, just a big word that didn't fit, but <laughs> uh, but uh, I did utilize um, sesquipedalian appropriately. Good job. Yeah. Do you know what that means? No. Given to using large words. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Which I is trust. funny because in and of itself is a large word. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, okay. Having said that, we will be back. Sorry about the, uh, the long break, but, you know. We're doing our we're best. We're doing the best we can. Um, we're, Stay we're with gonna, us, though. We're, we're, we're trying to find our, our groove. Yeah. Stick around because we're going to come back. Well, and um, I'll take some responsibility, right? Some of the... Oh, because Rochelle's got her class. I got my class. And it, so my deadlines are Wednesdays and Sundays. And that's just like... Ah, and those are the only two days you have off as well. So sometimes we're in conflict over whether or not I have the hours to get my... St- it's just... It's a lot. We're, we're Stay with us. My class is only going to go for another couple months. Yep. We're figuring it out. We're we care about you. We're here. So and uh, we can always you can always reach out to us if uh, if yeah you know, on the on the Facebook group or you can uh, send us a private message. I've really got to update the website. I got to try. So, uh, we uh, my my name is Blake. I'm Rochelle, and we'll be back. Cue the music. <laughs>